So have you ever read the fine print? You know, I mean, the little, little, little tiny stuff that's out there for you to see. On Christmas Day, almost every single toy that will be opened will have some fine print on that toy. A little, little tiny sticker somewhere have some kind of disclaimer on it. A disclaimer about what that toy will and, and won't do. And I found some interesting disclaimers on toys go like this. This product is not to be taken internally, literally, or seriously. That's a tag, disclaimer, right there. No beanies or babies were harmed during the manufacturing of this project. It's important to know. Caution, Care Bears do not actually care very much. It's good to know, you know, before you hand that, hand that bear off. Do not attempt to combine your Ultra Mega Warrior with your cat to make Ultra Mega Cat Warrior. That's good to know. It's dangerous. You know, you want to be careful with these toys and your pets. And then this one, warning, this fad will disappear in six weeks. Yes, it will. Almost everything on those individual tables in the aisles, nobody will use in six weeks. So just remember, there are warnings. Now, why do they do that? Why do they put disclaimers on toys? Well, they put disclaimers on toys because toys don't always live up to the hype of their commercials, right? Toys don't always last as long as they say they're going to last. But there is a gift that lives up to the hype. There is a gift that in every sense of the word has absolutely no negative disclaimers. It's a gift that is the real deal all the time. Now, that sounds like a pretty cool gift. So what is a gift that never fails and always lives up to the hype? Well, let's find out. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, and his name will be called Mighty God. The real deal gift that has always lived up to the hype is Jesus. See, some people say that, that Jesus was just a great teacher, that he was a great prophet, that he was a, a radical revolutionary. But Jesus must be more than that. He, he has to be more than that. Why? Well, because of what we're doing right now. We're worshiping Jesus. We're singing songs about Jesus. We're praying prayers to Jesus. We're preaching sermons about Jesus. So if Jesus is just a great teacher, if he's just a great prophet, if he's just a radical revolutionary, then we are all disobeying the first and the second commandment right now. And we, we are all, if Jesus is just a great teacher, just a great prophet, just a, a radical revolutionary, we're all committing idolatry right now. But if we're really worshiping Jesus for who Jesus is, we're, we're okay. And here's why. You see, 700 years before Joseph and Mary nestled down into the manger, the prophet Isaiah was writing down some names for Jesus. But here's the cool thing. Mary and Joseph weren't going to have to pick one of those names because all of those names are going to be used. And one of those names is Mighty God. Jesus is called the mighty God. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about Jesus. Jesus is the very God of very God. He's the very God of very God. And God is mighty, therefore Jesus is mighty. But that sounds a bit strange at this time of year, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about the baby Jesus. 
Okay? Babies, they, they coo and, and they goo and, and they have to have their diapers changed and they can't dress themselves and, and they can't feed themselves. I mean, babies are helpless. They're dependent. So you usually don't think of a, a baby as mighty. You know, those two things don't go together. There's a, a whole picture here that we miss. But here's the thing. See, Jesus was not just a baby. This is what John said about Jesus. John chapter 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is a description of Jesus in the beginning with God. And then John goes on, verse 3. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. None of our birth certificates say that, okay? That, that, that's exclusive to Jesus. See, long before he was a baby in a manger, Jesus infinitely existed as the second person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus wasn't just a baby who was going to grow up to be a great teacher. He wasn't just a baby that was going to grow up to be a great prophet or a radical revolutionary. Jesus, by the very character and nature of who he is, was and is and will forever be God. Jesus was and is and will forever be the mighty God. He is called mighty God. So how do we describe the mightiness of Jesus? Well, the language that Isaiah uses here, it's, it's military language. It means warrior. He says Jesus is going to be called mighty God. He's a warrior brave, courageous, a hero. The language means that there's absolutely no enemy that's ever going to be able to defeat Jesus. Brian Bell put it this way. He is the irresistible battle champion who will obtain the final victory in the arena of history. <laughs> yeah, that's not on my birth certificate or your birth certificate either, right? The final victory. What makes Jesus mighty is he's going to have the final say. He has the final victory in the greatest and last battle in all of history. See, Jesus will have the absolute last word. He is the superhero above every other concept of superheroes that we have. What's so sad about all the superheroes that are out in the world today is they are lame compared to Jesus. We sit in the movie theaters and we are amazed and marveled at all that they do and they have nothing to compare to Jesus. He is the hero of all heroes. He's the mighty God. This is what Jesus said, John 16, verse 33. Take courage, he tells his friends, I have overcome the world. No one else can truly make that claim. Nobody. Nobody can make that claim and, and really mean it and back it up. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because cemeteries exist. See, Jesus, he did die. But Jesus, he rose from the grave. He did not stay dead. He overcame the world, the Scripture says. See, by his very nature, Jesus is strong. He is succeeding. He is prevailing. He is invincible. Jesus, he's invincible. This is a baby in a manger, right? You're talking about a baby in a manger being invincible. Can you imagine the, the shepherd standing in the manger looking at this little helpless baby wrapped up in, in diaper cloths? 
And in that moment, Jesus was invincible. In that moment, Jesus was all-powerful. He was all-seeing. He was all-knowing. Didn't look like it to the shepherds, but it's who he is. It's who he was. It's who he will always be. John MacArthur writes, Jesus is capable of defeating sin, destroying Satan, killing death, snatching men out of hell, healing, raising the dead, answering prayer, someday returning in full expression of his power. That's huge, but there's more. Jesus is capable of redeeming men, of subduing the earth and all of its kingdoms, and reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is power beyond power. He's the very God of very God. He is power beyond power. And he goes on. So we announce there is a Savior. There is a child who was born, not just a baby stuck on the front of a postcard, not just a gimmick but the living Son of God. Is that the Jesus you actually know? That Jesus. The one who who has no limits. The one who's invincible. Or does your Jesus only take the wheel when you're in a problem? So he's only invincible for a moment when something in your life is spinning out of control. Or is your Jesus invincible, period? It's who he is by his nature at every single moment before the foundations of the world. Is that the Jesus that you've been singing to this morning? Are you believing in and trusting in and relying on and clinging to Jesus as your ultimate source of hope? Are you confident? Are you content that your life and your death is is wrapped up perfectly and safely and securely with Jesus? Or... Are you just kind of sentimentally worshiping a picture on the front of a holiday postcard? See, Jesus, by his nature, forces us to go way beyond just a teacher and a prophet and a revolutionary. It's really interesting when Isaiah was writing all these names down. At this time, it was known that the people of God, they were completely wrapped up in their armies and in their past victories. They were living in the past. They were like, oh, we've got great armies, and look at all these battles that we've won. So they were defining everything by by what they had already done, by their accomplishments. Now, we don't know anything about that, right? That never happens in our lives, right? We never trust in our stuff more than we trust in God, right? We never trust in our accomplishments more than we trust in God, right? No, actually, we're, we're just like those people way back then. We are so prone to trust first and most in ourselves. But listen, it is a very dangerous sin to trust in the good old days instead of trusting in God now. And listen, it is a very dangerous sin to trust in the hip and the cool of now instead of trusting in Jesus now. He's the son of the living God. He is the mighty Paul gives this challenge to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. To be strong in the Lord means that your primary strength is is in the Lord. Your primary confidence is in the Lord. He is who you look to first and most. But listen, that verse of Scripture 
goes against almost every single philosophy that most of us have been taught in our lives, right? I mean, most of the philosophy that is handed down to us more often than not is this, man, you got to be strong in yourself. Be strong in your skills and your talents and your gifts. Be strong in your education. Be strong in your accomplishments. Be strong in, in your savings and your retirement. Be strong in your charitable donations that you can write off. Be, be strong in your dreams and your plans. Be strong in your Christmas presents and your Christmas cards and your Christmas carols. Be strong in those things. Now, somebody might say, wait a minute, are you saying those are all a waste of time, that we shouldn't do those things? No, 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 and no. No, that's not what we're saying at all. We're, we're just simply saying this, do well in school. You know, use your gifts, use your talents, dream, plan. Be wise with money. Sing great Christmas carols. Give great Christmas presents. But don't let those things be your primary strength and joy. Don't let those things be your primary confidence. Instead, be strong in Jesus. Be strong in, in who Jesus is. Be strong in the character of who he is. Why? Because all those things that I mentioned, they can all fail. They can. We don't like to admit it. But almost everything that we put our trust in every single day, it can fail. Ever had your transmission go out? Six times, I think, in the last 25 years, you know? You know what's no fun? Is being on the side of the interstate on your way back from Arkansas when your transmission or your water pump goes out. That's not fun, right? It's inconvenient. It's not good. I don't like it. See, things fail in life. Our abilities and our accomplishments, they will fail from time to time. And none of those things that I mentioned in and of themselves are everlasting. So we don't trust in those things. Instead, we trust in the strength of Jesus. Why? Because he's invincible. He's invincible. That, that's a completely different character trait that we're talking about. Jesus of Nazareth, he is invincible. So we put our trust and our strength in him. When, when Paul says, be strong in the Lord, what he's saying is this. Be excited about being helpless and dependent. <laughs> that, that sounds very Western, right? Yeah, you need to be excited about being helpless. You need to be excited about being dependent. No, that's, that's the opposite of how we think. But see, being strong in the Lord means that you understand what it means to be excited about being helpless and dependent on and in Jesus. Listen, at the moment that we breathe our last, it really doesn't matter what you owe, what you own, who you know, or where you've been, or what's hanging on your wall. We know that. We just don't like talking about it at Christmas or any other time. At the moment that we breathe our last, being strong in the Lord, that's what matters the most. Being strong in Him because Jesus is invincible. He is the mighty God. He is powerful. Sometimes when we think of power, we think of kind of a man-made power. You know? We might say, well, that country had a powerful army. Or we might say, well, that athlete, is, he's a powerful athlete or or we might say that muscle car, man, it's got a powerful engine. Or, or that politician is a powerful leader. But the power that Jesus has is, is very different than that. 
This is what Paul told the Colossians, Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All right, let me just hurt your feelings. Over the next 14 days, you will not be able to hold it all together, all right? You'll try, maybe in the store when your arms are, you know, holding 17 bags. You'll try to be holding stuff. You won't do it, all right? Just cut yourself some slack. We cannot hold all things together. Jesus can. It's the nature of who he is. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's a serious claim. See, there's no army that can truthfully claim that. There is no athlete that can claim that. There's no muscle car that can claim that. There's no politician that can claim that. Only Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature, and He upholds all things by the word of His power. And then it goes on, verse 3, it says, When Jesus had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. No prom king or prom queen can claim that. No king, no queen, no prince, no princess, no president, no politician, no general, no dictator, no Supreme Court justice, no pope, no priest, no pastor. Nobody can make that claim. Nobody can sit on that throne but Jesus. Jesus can. He made all of these crazy claims to us, and yet he backed every single one of them up. Every one. A baseball player, what do they do? They might get up into the batter's box and take their bat, point out to the fact, that's where I'm going to hit my home run, right there. And then they strike out. <laughs> you know, doesn't happen. Football players in the news to the media during the week, oh, yeah, man, we're going to run right over them. Man, we're going to win this game. I guarantee it. And then their team loses by two touchdowns. Politicians, what, what happens? They're, they're introduced as the next president, the next governor, the next senator, and they don't even make it on the primary ballot, right? See, the, the very nature of who Jesus is means that none of those things ever happen to Jesus. He doesn't strike out. He's always victorious, and he's already been elected the king of all kings, and none of that can change. It's who he is. It's his character. How do we know that? How do we know any of that is true? Well, let's just go back a little bit to when he was on this earth. Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. The crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. They were like, who is this guy? I, I've never heard any of our pastors preach like this. He, he sounds like He's not trying to pull something over on us. He sounds like he's, he's not trying to keep his job. He, he sounds like he's not trying to please us or comfort us. It, it sounds like he's teaching us with authority from heaven. See, just his teaching shows the power of Jesus, that he is mighty God. Listen, that doesn't mean don't listen to good preachers. Please listen to good preachers. But don't let any preacher... Become your favorite preacher over the master preacher. Jesus himself is the authority. His authoritative teaching is evidence of his power and his might. John was super discouraged. I mean, just depressed. 
And he sent some of his friends to find Jesus. And he just had a message. Go ask Jesus this. Are you really the one? Is it you? Are you the Messiah? Or should I be looking for someone else? Ever had that day? Where everything's falling apart? And you're like, hey, Jesus, this is where you're supposed to come bail me out right now. You know? I'm down, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, things are, things are not good. This is where you're supposed to step in. Should I be looking for somebody else, Jesus? This was the message that Jesus sent back with his friends. Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. No, John, you don't need to look for anybody else. This, this is where it's covered, all here. See, discouragement will cause us to look away from Jesus, but the reality is because of his character, because of his nature, his invincible nature, his amazing power and authority to perform miracles that cannot be explained, those are evidence that Jesus is the mighty God. Jesus and the disciples were in a boat out on the water, and a crazy storm came up. It was a terrible storm, and, and they were terrified. And so what did Jesus do? They asked Jesus for help. What did he do? Matthew chapter 8. Then Jesus got up, and he rebuked the winds and the sea. <laughs> Ever seen anybody on their pontoon do that on Lake Murray? All right, we're going to make this storm just go away. Jesus, he rebuked the wind and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? I love their response. Who are you? Who, who are you? That, that even the wind and the rain and the o nature bows down to your word. This is who Jesus is. This is his character and his nature. The supernatural power of Jesus is evidence that he is the mighty God. But the most important evidence that the baby Jesus was and is the mighty God happened a long way away from the manger. See, the greatest display of the power of Jesus was on the hill outside of Jerusalem. Jesus died and gave his life to absorb the penalty of my sin and your sin. Jesus was brutally crucified on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. His deceased body was placed in the tomb of a very well-known man, but he didn't stay dead. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And he is still alive. By his character and by his nature, Jesus is powerful. His resurrection power is evidence and proof that he is the mighty God. But so what? Good theology, but what does it have to do with your life right now, today? Well, here's the thing. Jesus conquered the power of sin and death and hell. All right, so to try to put this into, into your math equation, all right? We cannot conquer sin and death 
and hell on our own. We don't have that ability. That power has to come from outside of us. And so when we say Jesus is risen, it has a a big deal to do with you. Because when the doctor comes in and says, look, there's nothing else that we can do, I'm really sorry. What's, What's your answer? What's your response? What's the first thing in your mind and your heart? Or or maybe because we're weak and sinful, what's the second thing at least? Is there confidence in Jesus? When there's a pileup on the interstate and and you're in the middle of it and you, you feel it happening around you, are you confident? Or are you secure in, in who Jesus is? As old age turns to last days, where's your hope? Where is your salvation? Where's your joy? See, we can't save ourselves, but Jesus has amazing saving power. It's, it's who he is. His fantastic, amazing power will save all kind of strangers like me and you. His ability to save to the uttermost never fails. He is invincible in his ability to save. And Jesus saves all kind of sinners. He saves adulterers. He saves liars. Jesus will save a gossiper, a cheat. He'll save someone who's a manipulator or a grumbler or a whiner or a complainer. He'll save an addict. Jesus will save old hags, and he'll save young nags. Jesus will save idolaters and criminals and murderers. And he'll save folks from the wrong side of the tracks and the right side of the tracks and everybody in between. Jesus will save southerners, and he'll save northerners. He'll save Americans, and he'll save Guatemalans and North Koreans and Iraqis. Jesus, by his nature, because of his power and his might, he'll save politicians and athletes and entertainers. He'll save homeless people. He'll save unregenerate church members. Jesus just saves. It's it's who he is. It's, It's what he does. Jesus, by the nature of his resurrected body, he is invincible in his ability to save. Bruce Gett says this, The helpless little baby in the manger was really the mighty God. Those tiny hands were the same hands that put the stars in place. We sang that just a moment ago. Enjoy his dawn. The Jewish carpenter who made tables and door frames while he was growing up was the same one who fashioned the world and made human beings. The holy God of justice who must punish sin was the very one who allowed himself to be nailed to a cross so that he might satisfy those very demands of justice. And then he says this. The Christmas story is not just a great story about a baby born in extraordinary circumstances. The Christmas story is about God. The mighty God. That's the story. So here's the challenge for me and for you. Are we celebrating Christmas? I mean, are are we really celebrating Christmas? The real Christmas story. Benjamin Franklin reportedly once said this, how many observe Christ's birthday, how few his precepts. You see, most of the traditions that, that we are honoring in the next two weeks They're like maybe 200 years old. 
And yet the tradition that's 2,000 years old, the tradition that really began before the foundation of the world, sometimes it get, gets lost in the shuffle of the tinsel and the presents and the trees. See, sometimes we don't mean to, but we actually don't observe Christmas, or we just kind of slot it in on a holiday card. Now, someone might be saying, oh, great. Here's Pastor Scrooge McDowell once again ruining the Christmas spirit. What do you think of when you think of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? We think of Dickens, right? When we think of, you know, miserly, cheap, you know, mean-spirited, stone-hearted guy, right? Here's the thing, though. Ebenezer in the Bible has a completely different meaning. It means stone of help. So see, when, when we think of Ebenezer, we, we think of, of cheap, we think of stone-hearted, when actually it's a, a stone of help. And Jesus, He is the cornerstone of all of history. Jesus is the strong and true and mighty everlasting cornerstone that can never be moved and holds the entire universe up all at the same moment. So now I'm not trying to be a scourge. Listen, deck the halls, fa-la-la-la-la, do everything you need to do. Have fun, enjoy Christmas. But remember this, there really is such a thing as December 26th. It, it, it happens every year. You know, Christmas will be, will be over. And then what? Where's our joy after Christmas? Where's our confidence after Christmas? See, what we need the most is not toys with good disclaimers. And what we need the most is not even just a, a fun, sweet, sentimental Christmas. Those, those are fine, but it's not what we need the most. What we desperately need the most is a Savior. What we desperately need the most is a mighty God. That, that's what we need more than anything else. What we need is a Savior who has conquered death and hell and can rescue us and redeem us and give us joy. Listen. Here's the thing. That Savior has been born to you. To, to you. Not just in general. Not just in a, a Christmas play or, or in a Christmas story. That Savior, just, just like the shepherds, that Savior has been born to you. That mighty God has been born to you. And His name is Jesus. He is the Son of of the one true living God, and He is the mighty God. Oh, come, let us adore 